Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we're of course going to break down the Badgers' big win at Michigan, 49-11, to just throttling of the Wolverines. We'll get into a few different aspects of that. Then the back half of the show, we're going to talk some college basketball, hit on a little news there as well. So plenty to get to. On today's show should be a fun one as the uh, Badgers pick up a victory on the road for football and get ready for a huge contest with Northwestern this upcoming weekend. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing phenomenal, yeah. These these shows are always a little bit more exciting and, and fun when we've got a Badger win to talk about. And, and boy, did the Badgers go ahead and, and take care of business in Ann Arbor over the weekend. Definitely exciting. How are you doing? I'm great. Yeah, it is a lot more fun to to do these games when there's a victory, um, in, you know, already picked up. And uh, I know we've done an instant reaction pod after that Illinois last you won last year. Um, those aren't anywhere near as fun as talking about a 49-11 just butt whooping. You know, I don't want to mark this episode as explicit, so I'll keep it clean there. But uh, it was a lot of fun to watch Saturday evening, and uh, that kind of segues us right into our first topic that I wanted to touch on. Uh, prior to kickoff, we talked a little bit about um, you know the guys that would be available and not available, and we had some speculations. But before we get into the game itself, what did you make of uh, you know Badger's Twitter just uh, you know having kind of a golden hour of who's in and who's out and, and who's playing and who's not? Oh God, I was rolling on the floor laughing. <laughs> there was there was so much conjecture and people just throwing things out there and and people just like, but are they playing? But are they playing? And it was um, <laughs> you know just like people wondering about who is going to be the, the holder and the backup punter and everything. It was just like, oh, my gosh, let it play out. And then my favorite part about it was then that UW, who in your wildest dreams would never go ahead and give you a depth chart the day of, goes ahead and sends out, hey, here's our starters. And it just – it really just was the cherry on top of that beautiful <laughs> Sunday because it was, it was so funny to see people all over the place so many people trying to get out their binocular glasses, uh, binoculars, trying to say, oh, yeah, this player is playing. Oh, I don't see this person out there right now. Who's fielding punts? You know, it's just, it was it was fun. Um, I'm, I'm glad it's over with now, and hopefully going into next week we have a, a little bit more traditional uh, lead-up to kickoff with, with most of the team back intact. But, uh, but man, that was, that was funny. I know our, our group chat was really going off about it because it was fun. Oh yeah, it was our our Slack channel was lighting up with with hypotheticals and who's playing and who's not and can you believe this? Can you believe that? And it was just a, a comedy to watch. You know, everyone trying to piece it together. Well, I saw this guy or I heard from this guy. I heard from this guy that this guy's playing. And thankfully, uh, they ended up having you know a good amount of guys play, but there was also a, a good amount of guys out. And I know Paul Chris talked about it a little bit. Um, that this week a group of those guys will hopefully be back. I know they had, uh, I believe, 10 guys out, uh, and that included on that list that they sent out uh, Jack Cohn. So nine guys that basically could be back, and hopefully that group that Paul Chris kind of alluded to, you're probably not going to get the exact names of, 
of who's going to be back, but you would have to guess as long as everything keeps going well the way it has been the last week or so and a week plus, I would have to imagine you're going to get a good chunk of those guys back, which is going to be huge because it uh, sets up a huge – I mean, every game is important, but this one coming up with undefeated Northwestern, undefeated Wisconsin is going to be a big one. So it'll be nice to hopefully get some of those guys back. But, man, everyone's speculating and Wisconsin putting out that starters, you know, where you're trying to piece it together. Okay, well, if these guys are the starters, who's maybe the backup and what can we do and piecing it together – it was uh, it was a puzzle that I enjoyed, but I don't. I know we'll probably have that throughout the season, uh, but it was uh, a lot to try and piece together and uh, figure out who's going to be in and who's going to be out. Yeah, the fun with Andy Vujnovic to see if he was going to be punting was my favorite angle <laughs> of the entire thing. Who's going to be kicking the ball? And, you know, we were talking about you know it's whoever's kicking it, catch it and uh, punt it away because we have had some issues with that before. Uh, but thankfully, he did a good job. The entire squad kind of rolled through Michigan and then got a good performance under their belts, which is kind of, I think, what this team needed. I'm sure they were frustrated, uh, you know, having two weeks off, kind of you know, being thrown under the bus for uh, all sorts of things COVID-related. I know it's not super, you know, in your control. Um, so I know they were they were frustrated and ready to get out on the field and, and play. So that, but we'll start kind of at the beginning. Of course, the story was Graham Mertz got the start, but definitely had some rust. What were your kind of thoughts of his performance? Because I thought, despite the rust, that he looked good, but also I, I thought he looked really mature, that he didn't try to do too much, is what, kind of what I took from it. So what did you make of, of Merch's performance on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he played fine. You, you look at the fact that he's coming off of really two days of practice for the past couple of weeks. He had COVID symptoms that he was dealing with, wasn't able to get on rhythm with his wide receivers, there's there's a reason that he you saw him sail that little swing pass to mm-hmm. to Berger early that you saw him miss a couple deep balls that he had um, it, it's it's just he wasn't there to to have that rhythm down with his teammates you would think that he would be much more crisp going into the next game um, you know I th- I think I liked that I still saw the Badgers willing to take deep shots and that's the thing that really jumped out to me is it wasn't as much. Sure, Graham Mertz only his long was only twenty yards. He only he got sacked once, missed a couple throws that he probably wishes he had back. But it, it didn't bother him. He still played good. And, but you look at that deep ball to Danny Davis early, where where it could have very easily been a touchdown. He he let that ball just get away from him a little bit. That ball was on the outside instead of the inside, and that's probably six because Danny was looking for it over his left shoulder. All of a sudden, it's over his right shoulder, and, and so. He had the he had the right distance on it. It's just a matter of hey, this is a young quarterback who hasn't had as many reps as he's used to playing with his wide receivers. He he's in a, a foreign environment at the big house in his first game on the road um, as a starter. Twelve to twenty-two, not anything unworldly, but at the same time here, this is a kid who is is still a redshirt freshman, and I thought he played played great, and he gave them what they needed and. What they needed was to go in and get a victory, and they got that. Yeah, I think coming into it, that was kind of my my concern was, you know, is he going to come out and, and try to do too much press? If he misses some throws early, is he going to start slinging it around and trying to fit it in tight windows, trying to find his rhythm? Um, and he didn't. And, and the other side of it, you know, how, how conservative was the offensive play calling going to be? I know last year at times we saw some uh, you know uber conservative Paul Chris so far this season we haven't I think um, that shows you the trust that he's got in in Graham Merch despite you know not having a ton of practice under his belt this week so 
I think, uh, yeah, you're totally right in in the aspect of him coming in, showing that, you know what, maybe I don't have my best stuff, but I'm not going to force some throws. I'm not going to try to fit it in windows that aren't there. I'm going to let my running game, uh, you know, take – take on their portion and, and run the ball down their throat and not try to do too much. So as a redshirt freshman, like you mentioned, I think we all kind of look at Graham Mertz as maybe a little bit older than what he really is. Um, so to see his performance and, and him know he's not have his best stuff and still come out and compete and, and do enough to, to win the game, I think was, was really impressive. And, and I think this week that'll be really nice. He'll be have a full week of practice, kind of have uh, you know all the questions and all the, that whole thing behind him where, you know, hopefully he can come out and, and the Badgers can, you know, be even more aggressive. Because I was impressed with, you know, them taking deep shots, them allowing to throw it and not have that uh, conservative game plan because that was a big concern is that they were going to tighten up. You know, I know Michigan was probably a little tight offensively as well. Uh, and it'd just be kind of a, you know, feel each other out first half. The Badgers didn't do that. They just came out and, and smacked them in the mouth, similar to the last year in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I played quarterback in high school and not nearly, nearly as talented as Graham Mertz, but I can tell you right now, two and a half weeks of not throwing the ball around um, and not being able to go and, and be with your wide receivers doing that, it's going to make anybody's um, game a little bit worse. I, I think you, you see him over 50% completion and getting a couple touchdowns, and like you said, not trying to force anything is about as good as you're going to get in that situation. Move on, rinse, repeat, and and get a W against Northwestern is what you really got to hope for, because then he's he's got a, a solid week of preparation to get back right and and kind of really get his his balance with his footing back to what it normally is, his motion back, because two days is not enough to to really be where you normally are, especially if you've been sick. Yeah, two days is is a lot to ask, but thankfully you went. Out. It's crazy to think that you only need two days of practice to beat up on a Michigan defense, but you're probably a little bit more worried and hoping that he's going to get a full week of practice to beat up on a, a Northwestern defense. Man, 2020 has really flipped the college football world and has had that you're you know more worried about a Wildcat defense than than Michigan, but they were just abysmal and they've been kind of rough for the last few weeks. But for for Mertz, the nice part is he, he may not have had his best stuff. He was a little rusty. But the run game was heads and tails better than they were in the opener. Um, you know, really getting a push on the offensive line. It, it looked for a while there that the field was just kind of tilted in Wisconsin's direction. The big boys were working. They were hitting, which is always good to see as Badger fans. You like to see the physical football, but uh, the, the offensive line is really going to push the run game despite being down. Groshek and Isaac Garendo was, was really starting to click and look better. Uh, how important is that, and, and how impressed were you that uh, that, that run game kind of got going and, and clicking the way it usually does? I think that was a big step for this team, mostly for confidence-wise. I think that really showed this offensive line, hey, we, we've got this. Um, that was an anomaly that first game where they struggled. Um, I, I thought really Nakia Watson looked so much more patient when he was running, and we talked a little bit about that in the press conference afterwards, that he, he just really wanted to focus on making sure that his lo- giving his time to set up his line time to set up blocks and then really just firing. So I, I think that was a big thing. I love the emergence of Jalen Berger. I thought he looked really good. He's a really smooth runner. Yeah, that's um, what I was just thinking too. Yeah, like I think he, he looks looks the part. It's mm. going to take some time. Uh, he, he still probably doesn't have much of the playbook down, but I liked how they used him out of the backfield as well. Um, and made it kind of easy for, for Mertz at times with that. But I think the big thing was the way in which the Badgers stretched the field um, against Michigan using those jet sweeps, 
using reverses, um, kind, kind of made it so that Michigan couldn't key on, on the inside zone, inside run, and instead the Badgers were able to, to kind of get to the outside using Danny Davis primarily. Um, Kim DK, who I know we're going to talk about later, really with that big 30-yard scamper. Um, but then you also saw a guy like John Chenal just, just rifle through the middle uh, and, and just bluster his way down 43 yards. So I, I thought overall it was a great sign that the team was back to an ability to run. They really pounded Michigan last year with the run. They did it again this year. They've got over 700 yards on them in the last two contests. Um, I, you can credit Tom Fernelli for that for that one. But I, I think really the ability for them to get creative and to know, hey, let's get some of this jet sweep going. Michigan wasn't able to stop it. So Paul Christ just kept running it and kept running it. And, and that's great because not only does that put that on film, but it also makes it so that you didn't have to unload everything in your arsenal. You, you, sure, you went ahead and used that, but the Badgers have a lot of really fun run schemes that they did not use because they didn't have to. And so I think that's a really cool thing because you saw basically the same two or three jet sweeps the whole time with Danny Davis, for example. So I, I think this was a good thing to put on film, and it was great to see Jalen Berger get some touches to show you that, hey, this is a kid that can probably help you out down the line. Yeah, he, you know, I, I like that you said the, the smooth aspect for him because that's kind of what I saw right away as well. It's just the way he runs, gets downfield, and he's got some longer strides to, to really make himself – uh, run well, and it gives you a lot of, you know, him, you know, DK in there a little bit. It gives you some young offensive weapons that you can work in um, along with the, you know, experienced and older guys. So I'm excited to see uh, kind of what they can do again this week as you get, you know, them more in offense, get them, you know, a better understanding of the offense. And like you said, uh, Berger especially is a guy that's probably got a little, um, you know, less understanding of the offense. So to, to be able to get him worked in and, and hopefully continue to get him to learn as you go into this Northwestern week, will be important. But the run game as a whole um, really looked good. I would have to say, for me, when I was seeing the run game, the, the quarterback sneak where Graham Mertz went five yards and, and almost got smoked by five Michigan defenders because he just plunged through the line, and the line just got such a big push, was like the, the, the light bulb just seemed to like click for the offensive line. And I don't know if for fans watching, if you saw that and just thought, okay, we're in good shape because that's kind of what my thinking was. And as soon as I saw him get through there and saw the, the push that the line was getting, I knew that, man, oh, man, this run game was, was going to be something solid. And they did it for a full 60 minutes, which was were really good to see and will be important um, to kind of get that same you know run game going this week because if there's a team that has defended the Badgers run game really well, three seasons been Northwestern, I think they're only – I was doing some math today on it only averaging like 136 yards a game on the ground versus Northwestern. So for Wisconsin offense, uh, this week's going to be a big challenge for them. They need to run the ball much like they did last week and not uh, like they did that Illinois week. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Northwestern's defense is tough. You look at they're giving up only 95 yards a game um, as, as a unit, which is really good. They've got some really, really talented uh, linebackers. So the Badgers need to be up for the challenge and be ready. It'll be nice to get a guy maybe like Selsner back, maybe get Garrett Groshek back to help you out. But but really, I, I liked the way that they flowed in between with uh, both both Berger and Nikia Watson. Watson showed a lot more ability to break the tackle, get out of those arm tackles that kind of haunted him in against Illinois. But man, you looked at that touchdown run that 
that Watson had um, of 18 yards, he could have skipped his way to the end zone on that one because the offensive line did such a great job. So I think overall really tremendous work by the offensive line, and, and I'm hoping to see that continued progress going forward as they continue to gel with one another because just like everybody else, that's a group that's really heavily reliant on communication, and they haven't had the ability to get those reps as much as they might have normally because of COVID and everything there. you got to remember this is a completely different rotation that they had on, on the right side of the offensive line, and, and they really didn't miss a beat. No, they did not, and I'm sure confidence is much higher now after that performance because that uh, first one, I know there was a lot of uh, naysayers about it in the run game, and a lot of people chalked it up to – uh, you know, first game nerves and, and getting that mesh with the units together, and uh, thankfully this one came out, and I think they'll be uh, much more confident going into this Northwestern game, which will be important uh, on the offensive side of the football as Graham Mertz kind of works his way back and knocks some rust off as well. Talked a lot about the uh, offense, but we have to talk about the defense uh, a lot as well. They were incredibly sound, so I don't really have a question about the defense per se, but I wanted to just, you know, us just take a moment to – rave about the defense and what they did and especially the coaching staff because it's been week in and week out for years now that this defense has just been really sound fundamentally they're always seeming to be in the right place at the right time and I think you really saw that in Saturday's performance so uh, I just had to give some praise to Jim Leonard and, and his staff and, and what they've done I know Chris Fowler and uh, Kerb Herb, Herbstreet were talking about you know him as a future head coach. Of course, you want him to be at Wisconsin uh, for, for quite a lot longer, uh, but I, I'd have to think if someone picks him off and gets a head coach, you are getting a phenomenal one because uh, this defense has just been great for so long, it seems like. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jim Jim Leonard's a mastermind back up, back there and really helps this team out. Um, Eric Burrell even said it in the, in the postgame um, – or I guess press conference today in which he was talking. But but I was really just impressed by how physical and how fast the defense played. You, you didn't see them get after the quarterback as much, but the Badgers weren't blitzing quite as much as they normally were, um, which I think had to do with the fact that they didn't want Joe Milton to all of a sudden get going on the run in the running game when he was clearly not going to beat them up with uh, his ability to throw the ball down the field. Um, but but really, you look at it, this, this defense has been really good at forcing turnovers. Another two – two interceptions in this game, that's that's really a big thing that this team wanted to do going into the uh, going into the offseason. They predicated uh, their talk all offseason about wanting to get more turnovers than they did last year, and I think they're off to a really good start. It was great to see Scott Nelson fly around. He got burnt on, uh, on a, a couple plays in pass coverage, but other than that, he was all over the place making tackles. I thought he looked really good, and and you saw him and, and Burrell as well as Wilder really rotate nicely with one another, and I thought that that was, that was something that I liked to see, especially with Rashad Wild Goose not able to play. But, but man, I, this defensive line just continues to, to look really good. You, you look at how many different bodies they had to rotate in there with, with Rand unable to play due to, um, we'll say, reasons. Um, then we also had – you had Henningsen go down, Henningsen go down and Isaiah Loudermilk was a beast. He played phenomenally well, um, had that big fourth down stop at the goal line, had a had a, a batted up pass that was damn near picked off. Um, I, I think really this group is playing really, really good football and, and gives this team a, a shot to win any game that they're in if this defense continues to play how they are. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this unit is, is just incredibly strong. And, and you look at it, you know, last uh, last contest with Nick Herbig and, and Chennault, 
those are two young guys that you weren't necessarily question marks coming into the season. I think you knew um, what they, they, that they had potential. Of course, Chanel a little bit more. You, you saw him a little bit last year. You, you knew what he had in terms of just sheer strength and, and size. So you knew what he had. Nick Herbig was a guy that was highly recruited and, and ranted and raved about in the early parts of, uh, of camp. But uh, there, there were still question marks per se. Um, you know, a little bit with just that you haven't seen a ton of them on the field. So I really think those guys were impressive. And if you, you've you got some of those answers, you know, kind of those questions kind of answered at that outside linebacker position, you were worried about that other spot, you were worried about the inside linebackers with Chanel and the depth maybe behind him. If, you're, if you've got some of the – and, of course, we'll see. It's, it's still – it's been a small sample size, but so far – a lot of the question marks on this defensive side of the football have been somewhat answered, and you feel you feel confident about some of the guys that they have out there. So as they start to get more of these guys back, you know, you mentioned Rand and Wild Goose, that they're only going to get better. So uh, I'm really excited to watch this unit and, and this team week in and week out because I think they really got a chance to be something special, like we expected. I know everyone was disappointed um, when the season was was kind of canceled because everyone wanted to see what this Badger defense could do. Well, you're seeing what they can do, and it's 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 pretty damn impressive what they can do on that side of the football. For sure, I, I think the big thing that I'm going to be continuing to hope to see more is is some pressure on the quarterback. We've seen the Badgers get to him. We saw Leo Chanel almost get a sack. We we saw them disrupt passing lanes by knocking down some passes, batting him down. But but really, this year so far, four sacks. So that would be the one nitpick thing that I would have is hopefully you can see maybe a little bit more from that um, going forward. You know, we, we've seen Loudermilk get a sack. We've get, seen Getz get a sack. We've seen Herbig get a sack, and now Leo Chanel in the last game. But really, can this group continue to, to kind of get to the quarterback and disrupt things? Because that secondary is going to be able to take advantage of it. They've got three interceptions this year. Four total turnovers as, as a defense is, is pretty good in two games. Um, but but that's the one thing I'd want to see is maybe a few more QB hurries or, um, and, and making that this defense, when they are able to get to the quarterback, can really, really make life tough for, for opposing offenses. Yeah, and that'll be important this week as you get into, you know, taking on an experienced quarterback in, in Peyton Ramsey, a guy that's played a lot of football, going to have to get in his face and, and make some plays in that uh, pass rush and, and getting some pressure. So be important to watch for uh, as we work into this Northwestern week. I think overall uh, there's a lot of storylines you can bring in and take from this game, but I think the big takeaway from uh, Wisconsin was kind of the youth movement. You know, strong performances by a lot of young guys, Shimmery DK, Jalen Berger, uh, Nick Herbig, Chanel is, you know, a, a guy that's played a little bit more but still young. And a lot of other guys, you know, saw action in time. There were guys making their presence known, and then there were some guys that were just out on the field and, and getting field time that maybe you didn't expect. So how big is that in your eyes, not only for this season, you know, having depth at multiple positions, but also for the future, that you're seeing guys that are, you know, either redshirt freshmen or true freshmen coming in and not just playing but making an impact on the field? Yeah, I think I think that was by far the biggest thing that came came from this game is, you got to see um, a bunch of young guys get get action for the first time, um, get to do so on the road against a, a, a team that traditionally is one of the better teams in the conference, and and they held their own. They played their part. Michigan wasn't throwing in their backups like the Badgers were. The Badgers were like, hey, Jim Leonard was throwing cornerbacks in there left and right, willing to put in anybody, and wanted to get them in to to see what they could do. 
The you saw the backup offensive line, which just man had me hot and heavy to see who was out there. Um, but man, I, I think you look at it. Nine true freshmen played in this game. The Badgers um, have over time played some true freshmen, especially in mop up duty. You'll see it, but but you don't normally see nine true freshmen going out and playing, especially when you you have a guy like Berger, DK, Herbig, all having significant roles on the team. Van Dyke, another who's as your kickoff specialist, made an immediate impact. So I think that's definitely fun to see. Uh, Riley Nowakowski is a guy that I'm really excited about as a walk-on. He kind of reminds you of that that John Chanel, where you get him as a walk-on, could easily see him at, at linebacker or at fullback, and I think he's got a, a nice future considering he's already earning special teams time um, as a walk-on. I think that's really exciting. But, man, it gives you a lot of uh, hope for the future because – You've got those nine true freshmen who are who have now seen game action. You also had eight redshirt freshmen play in this game, including four star, or five star Logan Brown, um, a guy like Dean Ingram out there playing a lot of snaps. So I think it's really really positive vibes for the future of this, not only for these guys who are actually on the team, but it's also big for recruiting. You can go out there and show, hey, look at all these young guys who are coming in and making an immediate impact and what they're going to be for the future of this team, that you have a really bright future, especially when you've got that redshirt freshman quarterback who many people are extremely, extremely high on across the country. So I think the Badgers are in really good shape, and, and this is not only a testament to the staff's um, ability to recruit, um, but also the ability of them to develop and get these guys ready to play because they they didn't miss a beat. You couldn't tell that there was a bunch of redshirt freshmen out there. Nick Herberg sure as hell doesn't look like he's a – uh, a true freshman, uh, and nor does Jalen Berger. So I think it's definitely exciting. And, and Chimray DK might be your most explosive wide receiver on the entire roster. Oh, yeah, it's looking like that, right? You know, at the moment, the way he played on Saturday, he's going to be a, uh, you know, those two look, you know, Mertz and, and DK look like they had a connection too. So that could be something, you know, in the future as you got, you know, a retro freshman quarterback and a freshman wide receiver, uh, to, you know, you can have that established connection going forward. And then you've got a guy like Berger, you're set up really well at skill position play, um, you know, spots, and then you've got, you know, a whole heap of young offensive line talent and, and a bunch of guys on the defensive side of the um, of the ball as well, uh, you know, and Herbig and, and then those guys. So it was really fun to watch. I think it's it's a lot different than normal Wisconsin programs in, in years past where you, know, you get guys in, they get a couple years to develop, and then, you know, they make an impact as a junior and senior. That's not so much the case, at least with this team and uh, the the current classes, the last couple classes, and I'm sure in the future here, uh, they're getting these guys in there that are more game ready and not as big of projects, quote unquote. I know bad the Wisconsin's done a good job of developing guys, but now they're developing them at a much quicker pace. And part of that is that they're landing bigger names and bigger recruits that are ready to play at an earlier stage. So it's exciting to see. Uh, it was really fun to watch. Uh, you know, I know we've said it before um, in the past, you know, you follow these guys in recruiting, but sometimes you don't see them for a couple of years on the field because, you know, they're getting, you know, they're watching, they're st- sitting behind someone, they're getting game experience. You didn't have that at all Saturday. It was like, oh, look, he's out there, he's out there, he's out there. Everybody's out there making an impact. So it's a lot of fun um, for the fans, and it's going to be a lot of fun for the future as a lot of these guys continue to, uh, to you know, get more game experience and, and become better players. So, uh, I'm really excited about the youth movement that they saw on Saturday afternoon. And especially, that kind of, 
Oh, God. I was going to say, especially when you consider that this isn't a year that's going to affect their eligibility whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're going to be coming back next year. Those those freshmen, those redshirt freshmen, they're going to still be freshmen next year. So you're going to have a really huge freshman group next year. But at the same time, a lot of those guys have seen action. They're going to be guys that have seen and played a bunch of games, which is helpful. Um, another thing was, I think it can't go without mentioning that a guy like Jack Nelson out there as a true freshman along the offensive line, that just doesn't happen at Wisconsin. Like, that just does not happen. Wisconsin, I know part of it is, hey, redshirt rule, weird season with the ability to not count against eligibility, but Wisconsin has really almost always waited until a guy has had his redshirt year before they even have an opportunity to be out there on the field just because they got to get their body right, get their strength right, their, their hand placement this kid to be for him to have already earned. Hey, I'm going to be the backup right tackle as a true freshman. Tells you just how high they are on this kid, and I think that was one that sure it's just a couple slop reps late against uh, Michigan, but that's invaluable for for him to potentially go up against and have to go up against a guy like Logan Brown for a job next year at that left tackle spot when Cole Van Lannen's off to the NFL. So I think that's a that's a really fun one, and, and it's exciting to see that uh that happened yeah it is it's uh it's, it's nice to see a lot of those names and it's uh, makes it exciting for the future um of those positions i know uh wisconsin fans spend a lot more time looking at the offensive line and who's where um compared to most fan bases but it, it's exciting to see some of those guys out there like uh, nelson getting some reps early all right if you're handing out game balls i think we've kind of hit on a few of them you know in the in the youth movement discussion but who are you giving your game balls to uh, for Saturday, and, and why? So we're doing offense-defense, I would assume, once again, where we can give out an offense and one to the defense. Um, for for me on offense, I, I think I'm, I'm going to have to go with Jalen Berger. I think you look at what he did uh, as, as not only a running back but also a pass catcher, led the team in yards from scrimmage with 100 um, in his first game. He, he showed you why he is, was that four, high four-star recruit, played really well. He, the moment was definitely not too big for him. He, he definitely looks cool um, as he's running, like just very collected, not, not worried. I think he's still got to add some, some weight, some strength, but it's definitely promising to see what he could bring to the table. And it's intriguing to see what he's going to do in the coming games. Paul Christ alluded to the fact that he's probably earned more opportunities moving forward because of what he did. Um, so I'm not penciling in, hey, he's going to have a Jonathan Taylor type career or going to have the type of role that Taylor did when he was a true freshman, but it's definitely fun to see what he could do. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he starts stealing some, some carries away from my boy Isaac Arendo, uh, which you know pains me to say it, but at the same time, I guess we'll see when he's back as well. Um, on defense, uh, I think we can go a couple different ways. Um, I'm going to go with Isaiah Loudermilk. I thought he was really good. He was the defensive lineman that was out there for pretty much the whole game because they were without Rand, because they were without um, uh, Matt Henningsen for most of it as well. We, we saw John Thompson Jr. or not uh, James Thompson Jr. Sorry, not the not the basketball coach um, <laughs> get hurt as well. So I, I think. He had a phenomenal game with that goal line stand, knocking down a huge pass that was almost picked off by Sanborn. I, I think he's continuing to show just how dominant he can be with that 6'7 frame and, and nearly 300 pounds. 
Yeah, both of those guys had, had phenomenal games. Laudermilk, you, you saw him in the pregame uh, just uh, ready and fired up to go um, and, you know, in the faces that he was making, and he, he performed really well. And Jalen Berger was was phenomenal early on, um, you know, to, for him to come out and, and lead the team in rushing for the game, you know, at Michigan, you know, averaging 5.8 yards a carry. That's impressive, and he's going to get more touches as the season goes on, uh, whether it be running or, you know, on the jet sweep or out of the backfield catching balls. And he's a versatile kid. Uh, we talked about that when he was uh, recruiting, you know, getting recruited by Wisconsin that he could play, you know, multiple different positions. I think running back is perfect for him, but – he can do uh, a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. So he's certainly deserving of one. Uh, but I have to give my game ball to, I guess it's kind of a combo, the fullbacks, John Chennault and Mason Stockey. You know, Chennault racked up 71 yards of rushing. Stockey was huge in the uh, in, in lead blocking and also, you know, catching touchdowns and scoring two touchdowns. So uh, it's a combo one for me on the game ball side for the fullbacks. You know, anytime they have a big game like that, you don't see – you don't see programs that have two fullbacks have good games. Usually, a lot of times you don't even see programs even run with a fullback. So uh, when they have performances like that, you got to give them a shout out. Those two were were really good, and uh, they're important to this team um, and this offense to to run the ball the way they want to. And then on defense, like you said, I think you could go a lot of different ways. Nick Herbig is certainly deserving of one, uh, but I had to go with Scott Nelson. You know, coming back and playing in his home state of uh, Michigan, of course, uh, everything him injury-wise, uh, for him to come out and, and play really well, have that uh, interception early on that kind of uh, you know, really gave the Badgers momentum was, was nice to see. I know everyone was excited for him to get back um, after the injury and, and how long he's been out. So it was nice to see a guy like him get out there and make some plays. He looked like he was enjoying himself um, and, and really playing uh, the game and, and enjoying it and having fun you know, doing it and playing out there. So. Yeah, and I, I think if just in terms of shout-outs, I think Chimray DK was very deserving. He could have easily been the guy I would have went with for, um, you know, MVP or game ball on offense. Just he, he looks the part, made some really nice plays out there when he got the ball in his hands, not only as a runner but also after the catch. I thought he looked really good. And, and like I said, I, you could make an argument that he might be the most dynamic of the wide receivers that they have on this offense. Um, and then on defense – Leo Chanel had a big game, almost had two sacks, for sure had the one, almost got another QB hurry, got the interception um, that was just gift wrapped for him. But at the same time, you got to make those plays, and he did. Burrell was, was all over the field, almost led the team in tackles as well, and had that pass breakup that led to Scott Nelson's interception. So a lot of good ways that we could go here with, with it. But I also liked Andy Bujnovich. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. wondering if the dude's going to be able to play, and boom. He, he had a really good game, popped two inside the 20. One of them was a touchback. Um, but, but you can see that there's a consistency in which he's punting that I think is overlooked a lot. Um, and, and really it's something that the team has missed the last few years. And, and so that's been a big boost to this team. Um, so Andy Bujnovich, tip of the cap, my man. Yeah, it's nice to you know be given some praise to the punters in, in the special teams game because last year it was a phase of the football uh, team that, that really didn't, do very well. Special teams as a whole last year was kind of a frustrating aspect of it. So to be coming out and getting giving game balls to the punter, I know, um, you know, more so than most, the Badgers felt the impact of, of a sloppy punting game last year. So uh, hopefully that continues because he did look really, he's looked really good in both games, which is nice to see as a guy that uh, has came in and not played football at that level yet. So it's going to be big for him to to keep that going as the season rolls on. 
Um, yeah, I think we've hit most of the, the shout-outs and the game balls. There's a lot of different guys you can say. I mean, when you win 49-11, to 11, it's a collective performance. So the, the offensive line certainly deserves some uh, um, some praises as well. They were getting downhill really well as a unit, as a whole. And then, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit already, Jim Leonard and just his staff getting these guys in the right position. Um, you know, that makes all the difference in the world. All right, I think that's all we've got on the football side. But before we kind of head out, the NCAA did announce today, um, switching gears a little bit to basketball, that they are looking at hosting all of March Madness in one location, presumably Indianapolis. I don't know the exact details on it. Um, I don't know know, how many courts they'd have going and things like that. Of course, March Madness, you've got multiple games going at multiple different times. But I think for people that are, you know, worried about COVID and impacting college basketball, I think that'll be a nice way to ensure you're hopefully getting March Madness in again, uh, or uh, this year rather than uh, not having it last year. So, what did you make of uh, of that, and and just how cool would it be, you know, with everything to be in one location to to be able to go in there and watch? You know, there probably won't be fans or limited attendance or anything like that, but to be a fly on the wall for the entire NCAA tournament would, would be uh, a pretty cool sight. Oh, no doubt. That would be absolutely amazing. Um, I, I think for me, I, I think the logistics of it is going to be uh, fascinating to watch just to see how this all goes on. You, you have so many people that are part of a production of, of a game and and as well as the amount of wires that are going on. Um, and you're going to have that at multiple gyms all in the same area. Hotels, like buckle up if you're in Indianapolis and you are um, somebody who lives there, you might as well rent an Airbnb now for production crews. You can probably make crazy amounts of money and uh, go on a nice vacation where there maybe isn't COVID. Um, But man, I think that's definitely exciting. I think it gives them a better chance at getting everything off the ground, considering you're going to have teams across the country um, that have different protocols, different COVID protocols, different different uh, different hotspots that they're coming from. So I think it, it makes logistically a lot of sense. There's going to be a lot of hurdles still. There's there's always going to be pitfalls with it. But um, it's going to be going to be fun to, to hopefully see as many games as we can and, and uh, get True TV open up for the first time in a while. Oh, yeah, there's nothing like downloading that uh, March Madness app uh, again uh, that time of year and, and trying to figure out what channel True TV is on. You're flipping through going, wait, 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 it's on True TV. It's not on this one. It's not on TNT. It's on that one. So, um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. You know, I, I like that, uh, not to bring up the dark days of the Big Ten football conference, but I like that they're, you know, prepping for this stuff now and, and not waiting till. Uh, you know, we're getting closer and closer to March and thinking, okay, we don't we don't have a plan to host this tournament, and uh, I guess we, uh, I don't know, we can't do it. So uh, I know last year was, of course, tough for everyone to swallow. It's when everything kind of started um, on the COVID train, and now we're, you know, uh, eight months later. But I'm, I'm glad that they're having these conversations, working out the logistics of it, because it is going to be a lot. You know, Indianapolis is a town that can probably, uh, and I'm sure that's why they're considering it, but it's a town that has the infrastructure that can kind of handle this. But uh, it's going to be a lot to, to figure out, and I applaud the NCA for going ahead and saying, okay, we got to have a plan in place so we can we can have this tournament and, and hopefully crown a champion this year. Because I know 
there's been a lot of worry about college basketball starting on time. You know, Rick Pitino, you know, laid out a plan to, to push everything back. So uh, I, I know everyone's hoping that we get a full uh, college basketball season in, and uh, hopefully that ends with a, a strong tournament and a champion crowned, whether it be um, Indianapolis or, or somewhere else. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm just hoping the basketball goes off without a hitch, and, and hopefully that's the case because it's it's definitely going to be nice to, to have more sports on given – that it seems more and more likely that we're going to be stuck at home for longer than we want. Yeah, it's getting closer and closer, the college basketball season, so that will be exciting uh, to watch for. Uh, before we go, anything that you took from the Big Ten football conference as a whole? I know it was a busy weekend uh, for the conference, of course, the big one probably being Wisconsin uh, knocking off Michigan. But anything else significant uh, that you took from this past weekend before we uh, round out the episode and turn the page to Northwestern? Uh Kurt Ferentz just taking those trolling timeouts at the end against <laughs> Minnesota was a thing of beauty. Um, just the way that Minnesota is in disarray and Iowa taking advantage of that was fun to watch. Uh, you know, that game was fairly close, you can say, until the fourth quarter, and then Iowa just completely just threw some haymakers. Um, that Northwestern-Purdue game uh, was was close, but really just not – Super fun to watch. Yeah, I thought the Penn probably. State in the Nebraska game was actually one of the better games to watch. Um, but yeah, Illinois Rutgers, that just the last thing I needed to watch on TV. So, um, but yeah, I, I think as a whole, the the slate wasn't huge. Uh, I'm thinking next week's going to probably be about as big of a week as we're going to have in the conference, just when you've got the top two teams of each side of the division going up against each other. So hopefully Ohio State, Indiana can happen. But um, and really any game for that matter. But but man, I, I'm I'm excited for next week. That's for sure. Yeah, it's going to be uh, you know Indiana picking up another win, setting up a huge battle out east for the Hoosiers and the Buckeyes. Will be a fun one to watch. You've got the Big Ten West battle now with Wisconsin having to go and kind of exercise their demons and Evanston. That'll of course be huge, which we'll talk about a little bit more later in the week. But. Yeah, a lot of intriguing matchups. Purdue-Minnesota will be one to watch for. I know Minnesota's kind of in disarray. Does that continue? Um, You've got Iowa and Penn State. Look like at the beginning of the year, going to be a huge game for both teams. Uh, Turning point-wise, for Iowa, that's probably still a big game. But for Penn State, you're just hoping to pick up a win. I can't imagine that we'd be talking about Penn State being 0-4. So a lot of different things to look at this weekend, but it'll be uh, exciting uh, and and a really a strong slate. You know, when you look at the top two games, that should be a fun, uh, you know, six hours with hopefully Indiana and Ohio State uh, bleeding right into uh, Wisconsin Northwestern. So that'll be a, a fun slate for the conference and uh, it'll be exciting as we get closer and closer to not the end, but these games are really meaningful and it seems so early on, but uh, it should be a fun one uh, to watch this weekend. No doubt. All right, Badger fans, well, that wraps up our Michigan and, uh, you know, conference recap. So we'll be back with you guys, of course, later in the week um, with Inside NU. They'll come on to uh, break down Northwestern. So it'll be our normal uh, game prep as we get ready for Saturday afternoon's contest against the Northwestern Wildcats. So make sure to tune in for that. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. And as always, on Wisconsin. Thank you.